Hello, and welcome to the Hasta La Visa Baby podcast, a deep dive into U.S. immigration law and its relationship to fictitious characters in television and film. My name is Shai Dayan. I am an immigration attorney with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, and I'm based in Los Angeles, California. And joining me today, as he does for every episode, he's also an immigration attorney. He's also with Gibney, Anthony, and Flaherty, but he's based in New York, and his dream is to move to Stockholm so he can design a currency for use by dogs and cats. It's Mr. Roderick Potts. Rod, Happy New Year. Shy, Happy New Year to you, too. I don't even know what to say. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Well, uh, it's the beginning of January 2021. Some crazy things are happening in this country. May we live in interesting times. We live in interesting times. And I'm just happy that you and I are getting a chance to do this podcast so that we can have some fun and take our minds off of all of the craziness that's going on out there. Absolutely. I'm starting to think a little bit about that, the currency idea, and I'm starting to think that, you know, it's just dumb. You think so? (laughs) But why is it dumb? I mean, then why do you want to do it? I'm just, you know. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into into all of it later. Well, to keep the people entertained and give everybody what they want, hello, everybody, again. For the first time, uh, listeners, welcome to the hottest immigration podcast out there. And for return listeners... Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for coming back. This is great to see you and to to have you here with us. And just to give everybody a brief refresher of of what this is all about, every episode we focus on a particular movie or a television show that features a foreign national character living in the U.S. We're going to do a deep dive into the movie or television show, focusing on the specific foreign national character. We are going to use our immigration detective skills to figure out what the character's U.S. visa status may have been, what problems or issues the character may have faced living in the U.S., and we're going to talk about a hypothetical consultation if the character came to us to ask us for advice. And very important, even though some of these movies and television shows are quite old, we're going to imagine that all characters are living in a 2021 U.S. immigration world. So today's episode is going to feature a very quirky comedy It's called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And Roderick, can you please tell the listeners a brief summary of what happens in this interesting movie? Happy to. So uh, Ricky Bobby, who's played by Will Ferrell, is a superstar NASCAR driver. He races for the Dennett Racing Team. And because of his unpredictable behavior, the, the, the owner of Dennett is kind of ready to move on. He's getting a little tired of dealing with Ricky. He brings in a French Formula One racing champion named Jean Girard, who's played by Sasha Baron Cohen, and he joins the team. Girard quickly starts to dominate NASCAR, sending Ricky Bobby into a a psychological meltdown and a a death spiral, to use the parlance of our times. Ricky uh, loses, goes through a series of losses. He loses his wife to his best friend uh, and fellow NASCAR driver Cal Naughton Jr. He loses his home. And then uh, his career is pretty much finished, uh, ends up in a big car wreck too. With the help of his mother and previously estranged father, he starts to recover and he starts over from the ground up. Uh, He eventually makes his way back to the NASCAR circuit where he goes up against Jean Girard, the famed Talladega racetrack. On the final lap of the race, 
Ricky and Jean Girard collide cars leading to a horrible accident and uh, they get out of their cars and end up running on foot. They sprint to the finish line. Ricky beats Girard just barely by a hand. And uh, after the race, Ricky and his former best friend, Cal make up and then Ricky and his family get into the car with his drunk dad and uh, they go together for a gourmet dinner at Applebee's. It really is a beautiful movie. It's a good family, heartwarming family uh, comedy, yeah. A feel-good story, if you will. Feel good, a feel-good story, yeah. Just to give everybody some fun facts about this movie, this movie was released on August 4th of 2006. It grossed $163 million worldwide. That's pretty nice. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a certified fresh rating of 71% and an average score of 6.5 out of 10. Not too shabby. Not too bad. The film was shot in mostly in North Carolina with most of the racing scenes filmed at the Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte. And very important to note, automotive journalist Leo Parente, a favorite of yours, Rod, he said that the movie is the most accurate racing film ever. Trust me. Yeah. And Leo has long been a friend of the podcast. So, uh, you know, we definitely we put a lot of stock, pun intended, into what he has to say. That was a good one. And Leo, if you're listening out there, you can join us anytime. So let's talk about Jean Girard, the, the main character that we're going to be focusing on today. And um, he is played by the quirky, the erratic, and the brilliant Sasha Baron Cohen. And Rod, if you can give us a bit of a breakdown of Jean Girard, that would be fantastic. Sure, happy to. So Jean Girard, as you said, Shai, he's a, he's a French Formula One driver. And he in the movie, he, he plays the role sort of of Ricky Bobby's arch rival. He is an aficionado of jazz music, and he is openly gay and married to a gentleman named Gregory, who is a world-class German shepherd trainer. Gerard states that at the towards the end of the movie, he states his real dream is to retire to Stockholm with Gregory and design a currency for youths by cats and dogs. He joins the Dennett racing team and starts competing in NASCAR races. And as any good Frenchman would, he drives a Ford Monte Carlo, which is sponsored by the French mineral, the mineral water powerhouse Perrier. During his first encounter with Ricky, he goes on the offensive immediately against and you know sort of attacks Ricky's xenophobia and ends up breaking Ricky's arm. He's a proud Frenchman. And he brags about French accomplishments and contributions to the world, claiming the French invented democracy, existentialism, and the menage a trois. And as Cal Naughton Jr.'s character in this movie says, those are three pretty cool things. Those are three good things. So yeah. I've heard. So I've heard. So I've heard, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jean Girard, okay, he's French. And many of you out there might be saying, well, how do you know he's French? And, well, and let me remind everybody... That there's two ways, two ways that we can tell if somebody is a foreigner. Number one, they tell you. And yep. number two, what do they sound like? And in this particular situation, we are blessed. We are blessed because not only does Jean Girard come out and say he's French, but Rod, I think you'll agree with me that Jean Girard probably has the most tremendous, the greatest French accent ever in the it history. It is amazing. It is, it is amazing. I love there's certain scenes in the movie where I just can't understand what he's saying. And I, I and I love it. And that's as French as you can get. His French accent is so is so purposefully thick and it's perfectly delivered. And it is it's a delight every time every time Girard is on the screen. So Jean Girard is a Frenchman. We have established that. And if he's a Frenchman, as we know he is, 
and he's coming to the United States to compete in an American-based sporting competition, he would need a visa both to live and work in the U.S. So we're going to talk a little bit about what kind of visa Jean Girard would have had. Now, Rod and I have discussed this, and, and we believe that there are two visas that Jean Girard would have qualified for. The first visa we're going to talk about is known as the O1A, Individuals with an Extraordinary Ability in the Sciences, Education, Business, or Athletics, most commonly known as an Extraordinary Ability Visa. And Rod, you are the most extraordinary man I know in 2021, one of the most extraordinary men I knew in 2020. Can you give the listeners a little bit of information about what the O1A Extraordinary Ability Visa is and what it entails? Sure, Ken. Thanks so much, Shai. That was very, very sweet of you to provide those accolades. Yeah, so as you pointed out, the O1, uh, Individuals with Extraordinary Ability in the Sciences, Education, Business, or Athletics, it can apply to a lot of different endeavors. And you know, to qualify for the O1 visa, the beneficiary, uh, the individual, must demonstrate extraordinary ability by sustained national or international acclaim and must be coming temporarily to the United States to continue to work in the area of extraordinary ability. Interesting. So extraordinary ability means that that the individual has made it to the small percentage of those who've risen to the very top of their field of endeavor. So it's not just anybody you really do have to show, and it can be sometimes a very high burden, but you do really have to show that you are at the top of your field. So the foreign national with extraordinary ability must be petitioned for by a sponsoring U.S. employer or U.S. agent, and they need to show extensive evidence documenting the extraordinary ability of, of the individual. In the regulations, there are a number of potential categories or bullet points, you know, sort of criteria that uh, an individual must meet. And I think they give us a, a total of 10. You have to meet three of them. Some examples of these criteria are nationally and internationally acclaimed prizes or awards, published materials about the individual commanding a high salary within the field compared to others, and serving in a critical capacity for a distinguished organization. All of these are, you know, sort of bits and pieces of evidence that the whole has to show that the individual is at the top of the field. Very interesting, Rod. Very good summary. And I, I think also, if somebody has achieved the highest prize or the highest international award, for instance, if somebody is a musician and they've won a Grammy Award, which is the top prize, or an MTV Video Music Award, which was a top prize in 1997, then they wouldn't have to show much else, right? If you win the top prize or the top award in your field, you're basically done. You're good. Yeah, so it works a little bit as an either or. You're right. The way the regulations are written is if the individual has achieved a major international award, a major like national or international award, then sure, then that would qualify them generally alone. Or if they have satisfied a number of the lesser criteria. Most people will not have won the top, top prize. So in that generally situation, we're going to have to meet those bullet points and those criteria. Correct. Yes. And as we'll discuss later, even in cases where somebody has won that top prize, you know, you really want to overstate the case whenever you're doing an 01. So so we'll we'll get into that a little bit and talk about that. But, but yeah. that's also that's also the truth. So let's um, have some fun with Jean Girard and let's let's see how Jean Girard might have uh, fit into this 01A extraordinary ability category. Sounds good. So, number one. We know that John Girard has joined the Dennett Racing Team in the United States to perform on the NASCAR circuit. And all indications are that Dennett is acting as John Girard's employer. I think right. we can agree about that. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. When working on an O1, that's always the first question, who's the sponsor? And in this case, I don't know specifically how NASCAR works, you know, but we can presume Dennett is, uh, you know, maybe like an incorporated entity or some sort of business organization and that they would be authorized to, uh, you know, that it would be fine. They could sponsor him. Right. I, I, that's that's where I'd start at least. Yeah. And then Dennett would therefore have to have filed an O1 petition for Jean Girard and it would have had to been approved before he entered the U.S. So before we even meet Jean Girard and he's in the Southern drinking establishment and he puts on the jazz music, he's probably already in the United States with an O1A visa at that time. Yes, we can assume that. Yeah, and the O-1 petition by Dennett, it would have to have included a contractual agreement with Jean Girard and an itinerary with the dates and locations of work, which in all likelihood in this case would be all the dates of the races he would have been involved in and the promotional events that Jean Girard would participate in. Yep, exactly. And Dennett would also, I think, have to arrange for a consultation letter from the applicable union overseeing NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a major requirement that's, uh, yeah. you know, for, for, the, for the O-1 classification. So let's let's talk about how Jean Girard meets these elements, okay? So okay. Uh, Jean Girard, he would need to be an O1A coming into the category of extraordinary ability in the athletics. So NASCAR, what is NASCAR? NASCAR is the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. It's an American auto racing sanctioning and operating company that is best known for stock car racing. As you know, it's the competition you see on TV where people make left turns over and over and over and over again. Left turn, left turn, left turn. And then after 500 miles of left turn, somebody wins. And if you're lucky, there's a crash. If you're lucky. Yep. If you're lucky. And when we meet Jean Girard, we know that he's a Formula One driver. And what do the French say? How is it said in French, Rod? I believe you speak French. My, so my understanding is that the French pronounce it Formula. Wow. Formula and one are one word. Formula. Wow. Almost as good as an accent as Jean Girard, Rod. That's almost. Almost. It'll never be quite his. But in the film... He refers it to us as Formula. And, and what is Formula One? So Formula One, for those of you who don't know, it's the highest class of single-seater <laughs> auto racing. It's basically a much fancier European version of NASCAR. But the races or the Grand Prix are held all over the world. And um, they make turns. They go through cities. It's more than left turns. They do right turns as well. You know, Formula One is a much more has a much more international feel to it. Yeah, it's a very fancy uh, circuit. If anyone wants to find out some more information about Formula One, I suggest watching the Netflix uh, documentary series called Drive to Survive. It's a really fun way to learn about Formula One, uh, the pageantry, the the fanciness of it. It's it's fun. Um, so. Let's talk about um, Jean Girard. Let's see if we can see if he can meet three of the uh, outline criteria for uh, an O1A visa. So um, number one, let's talk about the receipt of nationally or internationally recognized prizes or awards of excellence in the field of endeavor. Rod, do you think that uh, we can meet this criteria? So I think I think we probably can. In the movie, um, when he meets Ricky Bobby for the first time in that bar after after the jazz music is sort of unceremoniously cut short, uh, he does say he is the best uh, Formula One driver. So if we take from that that he is the Formula One racing champion or one of the you know or he's won his fair number of races, I think we can assume that he's won the as you know that's a top driver. We, we can assume that he's won the championship. And so I think that would probably qualify as an internationally recognized prize. And I should think that alone would probably qualify him for an 01. Right. But let's, you know, we want to give all the evidence we can. We don't want there to be any reasonable doubt, any question here. We want to prove that this man is extraordinary. So Absolutely. 
we want to make what they call in the business an unassailable case. <laughs> unassailable, unassailable. So we've got number one covered. He has an internationally recognized prize. How about number two? I'm thinking published material in professional <laughs> or major trade publications, newspapers, or other major media about the beneficiary. So um, I think there's a segment in the movie where a NASCAR-focused racing show is doing a profile about Jean Girard. And in that profile, we see all kinds of articles about Jean Girard. We know that Formula One is also covered by major media, especially in Europe. I know it's on ESPN in the United States. So as a champion, he would have received a lot of television coverage. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking Jean Girard meets that criteria also, published material. I would definitely agree. It, you know, from what they show us in the movie, there's certainly a lot of published material about him. Uh, whenever I've worked on an O1, you know, we start off with what we call the Google test, and you just throw the person's name into Google and see what comes up. If he were actually the best Formula One driver, it would be very easy to confirm really quickly through a simple Google search. That's and, interesting because you know, when I use Google, it's usually just to search for myself. Are you telling me that you could do yeah. some something other than that? There's more on there than just your exploits, Shai. Get out, of, get out of town. <laughs> so so easy. That, that probably would be very easy to, very easy to, to uh, criterion to me. Let's check off that box and, and let's move on. Um, another criteria, which I would think to try to meet for a superstar athlete is, does the person have a high salary for his services? And if John Girard truly is a NAS Formula One champion, then he must be earning a very high salary. In the real world, According to reports, Mercedes Formula One team driver Lewis Hamilton earns over $50 million per year. That's a lot of money. That'll buy you a lot of beer. That's the kind of money that we can expect the Asta La Visa Baby podcast will one day bring in. Someday. But, but Someday. until then, until then, we're okay. But Don't we'll get there. We're, we're, we'll get there. One episode at a time. Yeah. So I think considering Jean Girard is a champion driver, I think we can only assume that his earnings were in the millions as well, right? I, yeah, I mean, if he really is at the top, we can maybe assume that he's making, a pro even if it's approximately this amount, I consider that a high salary. Yeah, so, I, we see the way he's dressed in the movie. I mean, that's some fancy attire. It is. He's, 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 he is impeccably dressed in that Impeccably film, yeah. dressed. The sideburns, the leather jackets. I mean, he looks good. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. The scarves. Oh, those scarves. Wow. He's got that white at the dinner at the dinner scene. He's got the white suit with the scarf on it. If that doesn't say wealth, then what does? It's chic. Yeah. It's chic. It's chic. We only have to prove three criteria from the list, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's always best to to prove some more criteria. Why not, you know, put it over the top? So can you think right. of maybe a fourth thing that we can prove? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, we can we can look at employment in a critical or essential capacity for an organization with a distinguished reputation. You know, we can look at as a Formula One championship driver, probably he would have been racing for one of the major teams. And as you know, as you found in your research for this episode, Shai, that generally the teams are sponsored by auto manufacturers. Yes. And so and they're major auto manufacturers. Mercedes, you know, G Ferrari. Geo doesn't have it. Geo doesn't have a team. The so, Geo Prism team doesn't exist. The Geo Prism team, and I don't know that. Geo even exists anymore, Saturn <laughs> for that matter. But, but you know, we we've got you're right, Ferrari, Mercedes. You know, the big the big manufacturers all have racing teams, and generally, with obviously with some you know maybe some some blemishes in some of their histories, most of these auto manufacturers <laughs> have a distinguished reputation. And um, I think you know, as the perhaps team sponsored, generally what one two drivers maybe right. I think each That's team it. has each team fields two drivers. Each so, team fields two drivers. So right. I, I would say he would operate in an essential capacity for that team. 
you know, and that, you know, Mercedes team, I think probably has a fairly distinguished reputation. Right. So I, right. I would argue, depending on the team that he drove for, how long he drove for them, I think, you know, th that argument can be more easily or perhaps even more difficultly made, depending on the specifics of the case, but on the facts. But I, I would I would argue that we could probably we could probably meet that criterion without too much difficulty. If this email came into my inbox saying, hey, do you want to help me out with this race car driver? You know, probably after doing the initial Google tests and just checking, you know, plugging his name into Google and looking at that, I would actually feel very positive about this case and would have pretty decent uh, confidence going in. I think it's a pretty easy case to make. I think so, too. From what I know about O1A visas, he has a strong O1A visa <laughs> case. And let's talk a little bit about his husband, Gregory, the sure. German shepherd trainer played by Andy Richter of uh, Conan O'Brien fame. Yeah. Now, despite, uh, played memorably by Andy Richter, despite his limited screen time. Very limited screen time, but he the makes film, the most. He makes the most he, out of it. He does. The film didn't really explore his character to the extent I think that many of us wish it did. Another idea for a movie are the exploits yeah. of Gregory and his German Shepherd uh, training. Uh, but um, John Gerard, as his uh, husband, legally married, would have qualified mm -hmm. for an O3 dependent visa, so he could join John in the U.S. Now, I think it's very important to note that this movie came out in 2006. And in 2006, Jean Girard's husband Gregory would not have qualified for a dependent visa. Unfortunately, in the United States, it wasn't until a Supreme Court decision in 2015 where the Supreme Court held that the 14th Amendment requires all states to grant same-sex marriages and recognize same-sex marriages um, in other states. So marriage equality. Uh, in 2015. And that led the way to same-sex couples and same-sex marriages being honored in immigration. And I think that that was a very important decision and uh, a time when I was very proud to be an American. We did go through a period where marriages were legal in other countries. Gay marriage was legal in other countries, but not recognized by federal immigration law in the United States. And we had to find our way around it by getting tourist visa That was essentially the, the, the mechanism at the time was to get a tourist visa for the spouse we called it a same-sex spousal visa. Well, no confusion for Gregory if it's 2021. So Gregory, congratulations. You are qualified for an O3 dependent visa. You and Jean Girard can live happily in the United States in O1 and O3 status for a period of three years. And you can mm -hmm. get continuing extensions for uh, one year at a time. One issue that I wanted to bring up about the O3 visa is that O3 status does not allow for employment authorization. Uh -oh. So... What does that Gregory, say about Gregory? So Gregory, while he can come to the United States and accompany Jean Girard, he would not be authorized to engage in any productive employment in the United States. So that scene where we see him training the dogs and they're standing in the pyramid, um, <laughs> if that is indeed happening in the United States, if he's doing that for pay, he might have a bit of a problem. Hopefully he's just doing it for fun. Like he, he, And he can do it for fun. Because at one you know? time or another, we all think about training German shepherds for fun. <laughs> I suppose I suppose we do. <laughs> For once, there's always a period in life when you think about doing that. Okay, Jean Girard and Gregory, O1A, O3 visas, great. But there's yep. another visa category where Jean Girard probably would have qualified for as well. And let's talk a little bit about that visa. And that's sure. known as the P1A athlete visa. Rod, I know that you used to be a big-time jock, and um, I could tell by your voice. Can you tell us yeah, a little bit that's... about the, the P1A athlete visa? <laughs> sure. I was in Little League for a brief period of time as a child. <laughs> so I think I'd be just as qualified as anyone to discuss Probably. the P1. 
So uh, yeah, the P1A visa is is for athletes coming to the United States solely for the purpose of performing in a specific competition. So again, not a not just a, a an open ended approval. It you have to cite a specific competition you're coming for. Uh, but the P1A visa can be for an individual athlete or a team, and it applies to both professionals as well as amateurs. The P1A athlete requires that union consultation letter overseeing the sporting event or competition. So, you know, you do have to sort of get the buy-in from a, uh, an independent U.S. organization, just the same way you did with the O1, very similar. In order to get, in order to establish eligibility, one has to meet at least two criteria from a fairly long list of a pick of applicable uh, potential criteria. Some of those include a written statement from members of the sports media or other recognized experts on behalf of, of that, of that individual, um, evidence that, uh, the person is individually ranked evidence that, uh, that the athlete has received a significant honor type things, things like that are the types of evidence that, that, that we generally look to athletes can be granted P1A visas for the period of time that it takes to complete the event under no circumstances can it be more than a five-year period extensions can be granted, but one cannot be in a P1A status for greater than 10 years in total. And this is you know, specific to athletes. There are other types of P's where these rules are a little bit different. Spouses may accompany the athlete uh, under a P4 dependent visa. Uh, and, uh, that's and they can't work, the, right? The dependents can't work. Same P, as the O3. P spouses uh, are not employment authorized, right. similar to the O3. So, so poor Gregory is is going to be uh, oh. training German shepherds for fun, not for pay. Correct. So it looks like we have another visa category here where Jean Girard would qualify for. Um, I think you know a written statement from a member of the sports media or recognized expert on behalf of the athlete. I think as a Formula One champion, it's conceivable that John Gerard would have plenty of options for procuring such a statement. Perhaps his, his previous racing, you know, team would, would write that letter for him or other drivers or just Agreed. Leo Parente, Leo Parente, Agreed. the journalist. Agreed. Uh, or, and other sponsors and any number of people would. And then, you know, it also includes people in the media. Right. You know, people who've covered him, you know, written pieces about him would, would be able to confirm that as well. Right. Another, an, another category is evidence that the athlete is internationally ranked. We know Formula One is an international competition. It ranks its teams. It ranks its drivers. And if Jean Girard is truly the champion that we are led to believe he is, he would have had a very high ranking. So that's mm -hmm. another criteria which Jean Girard would have met. And that's two. We only have to meet two. But let's throw a third one in there. How about a significant honor? I'm thinking that, you know, if he's won Formula One races and those are, you know, big time races, he would have, uh, you know, that's a significant honor. All the championships he's won. I'd argue the same. I'm sure there's photos of him holding trophies and, you know, prize money, stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> the big easy. check. I could see him holding a big check. The big check. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So Jean Girard, he would have qualified for um, a P1A visa. Why would somebody go for a P1A visa instead of an O1A visa? That's, that's a good question that I think a lot of people want to know. Generally, most people would would if they could qualify for the O1 would go for the O1, but you know the eligibility standard for the P1 is a little bit lower than that O1. So if you're not necessarily at the top of your field of endeavor, but you're really good, perhaps you'll qualify for the P. If you're not quite O material, you may still qualify for that P. So you know there it, it, that that lesser level is a good fallback for people who are not you know at the top. 
you know, lesser known professional athletes or, you know, people who are just coming very briefly. I think in this go. situation that um, Dennett Racing Team, uh, Jean Girard, they would go for the O-1 visa. Uh, he meets the eligibility requirements. There's no upper limit for how long he can really remain in O-1A status. It would have afforded him some more flexibility for a future green card sponsorship case. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And mm -hmm. the man is extraordinary in so many ways, from his driving, his dressing, his sideburns, his accent, that he would want the extraordinary ability just for his ego. Because a lot of people, they like to say, hey, I'm extraordinary. And I'm sure he would insist on O1. Knowing what I know of him from the film, I would imagine that he might want to be an O1. You know, like we said before, I think I would have no hesitation working on this O1 case. I think it's, I think it's a strong one. I think it's good. We've solved the riddle. I yeah. think we have, you know, even though he's clear, he clearly would qualify for the P, I would go ahead and do the O as well. I would too. Problem solved. Jean Girard, ladies and gentlemen, was in Talladega Nights pursuant to an O1A Extraordinary Ability Visa. And, you heard um, it here first. You heard it here first and probably last <laughs> as well. I don't think anyone will ever talk about this again. So Jean Girard might have had some uh, issues after he came to the United States, and these, uh, these issues might have had an impact on his immigration status. He broke Ricky Bobby's arm during their first encounter. This seems like it was unnecessary. It could have led to his arrest for battery, wouldn't you Perhaps. say? Yeah, and criminal activity, obviously it's always specific to the case and the facts, but criminal activity as an individual on what we call a non-immigrant visa, temporary visa, troublesome. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Another against it. Another no-no is sexual harassment. I'm always against sexual harassment. I don't know anyone sure. who's for it. And it looks like, you know, Jean Ricky, he, he sexually harassed Ricky Bobby a number of times, verbally, physically. He made him uncomfortable. And uh, he did this in the workplace. So this could, have, mm -hmm. this could have all led to discipline from the Dennett racing team. Yeah, I mean, it, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, Multiple times and intentionally. It certainly made him, yeah. uh, made him very uncomfortable. So yeah, it may violate any of Dennett's racing team's policies right. if they indeed have any. I, I um, hope they have a harassment training program because um, it doesn't appear that uh, he went through any of the harassment training program curriculum. Or has just simply disregarded it. And right. if they do, if they do indeed have something with a strong HR team, if he violated any number one of their any number one of any number of their rules, if he were let's say dismissed from Dennett, if he got fired for his right. behavior. Right. Um, Shai, what would happen to you? Yeah. So his ability to remain in the United States is specifically tied to his visa status. So if Dennett fires him and um, rids themselves of his services, he doesn't have a sponsor anymore, which basically means he's out of status. That's the lingo that we use in our profession, out of status. So if he finds himself out of status, he would have 60 days to do one of a few things. Number one, try to find another sponsor and sponsor him for an O1A. I think there's a lot of racing teams that might have wanted him. Number two, he could try to change his immigration status to another status. Or number three, he could go back to France. Oh, number four, mm -hmm. he could go to Stockholm and design a currency for dogs and cats like he's always wanted to. Sure, yeah. But yeah, departing in the U.S. would certainly right. be that. Brings us to the next section where we get to give a consultation to Jean Girard. And this is where, you know, we can tell Jean Girard, look, buddy, maybe you need to cool it down. Maybe you could do these things to preserve your immigration status in the United States. So Jean Girard makes an appointment to see us. Uh, we're going to talk to him together. I don't think he should be alone with either of us. <laughs> just because I think both of us are a lot more handsome than Ricky Bobby. And um, we know well, how Jean... like to think so. Yeah. Oh, I know so, Rod. I know so. So I, 
So I, I think, you know, that John Gerard, we're going to want to meet him together. We might even have a paralegal with us just to be safe. And we're going to talk to him about what his desires and wants are as far as immigration in the United States is concerned. Mm-hmm. So I think the first question is, is that instead of preaching to him and telling him what he wants, Jean Girard, tell us what you want. And, and we know from his speech that he really wants to move to Stockholm to design a currency for dogs and cats. So he might not want to even stay in the United States long term. And if that's the case, we'll have to set him up with a consultation with our crack global immigration team. And they can mm-hmm. talk to him about Stockholm and what, as a French national, if he needs a visa for Stockholm or Sweden or anything like that. I'm not sure. I'm a U.S. immigration attorney. Right. Yeah. I mean, our practice is limited to U.S. My understanding is that EU people can move freely around and work freely around. But don't take um, our know, word for it. Don't, don't take, take our, our word. word for it. Right. That's not that's right. not a, a professional opinion. That's just, you know, you know who might know. You know who might know. Who, who might know, Shai? We have a colleague. His name is David Johnson. And uh, not only is he married to a Swede, but he's part of the uh, he's a member of the Swedish Chamber of Commerce. So uh, I think we would set John Gerard up with David Johnson. Perhaps they can go for a Swedish meal and talk about Sweden and what his options are in Sweden. So shout out to David Johnson, although his taste in Star Wars is pretty, pretty poor. You know what I'm talking about, Dave. I think I didn't he, think you were going to go there, but I'm uh, going there. Great. I'm going there. <laughs> All uh, right. Yeah. So let's move on. Let's move on. So, so yeah, mo- moving on. So anyway, right. So if his plan is to move back actually to to Stockholm, then we might not need to get him the green card. Uh, right. Because right. he has a plan to stay here indefinitely. If he just wants to do a few seasons in the United States and then retire from NASCAR and go, then the, the, you know the green card may not be necessary for him. But if he lets go of that dream and he decides he wants to stay, what would be the best green card option? Do you think for him, Sean? So people who are in the United States with an O-1 Extraordinary Ability Visa, they have a good pathway for the um, green card sponsorship equivalent, which would be the um, First Preference I-140 Extraordinary Ability Petition. So it's very similar to the uh, O-1 Extraordinary Ability uh, Visa, except for this will get you a green card. So obviously the, um, the bar is going to be higher. Uh, the proof, the um, evidence that you submit is going to have to be even stronger. You um, basically have to demonstrate extraordinary ability, again, in the sciences, arts, education, business, or athletics through sustained or national or international acclaim. Again, the criteria are very similar to O1A, but because the award is a green card, again, it's going to be adjudicated with much, much more scrutiny. I think, you know, as, as my extraordinary gentleman friend, you, you need to meet the three criteria again, correct? Correct. And Shai, I mean, I know that, that, that when, when you've worked on cases like these, you know, O1s, you know, getting yes. the green cards, uh, you know, I-140s, doing the, what we call the EB-1, which is employment-based first preference, you've done the O-1, the individual has been approved, they've gotten the visa, they've been here. You can't just repackage the O-1 and send it back in and say, this is now my EB-1. What we do when we do these cases is 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 we use the O1 as a starting point, but we really try to beef it up. Like you said, the prize is higher, so the scrutiny is a little higher. So we we do try to build the case up a little bit. We add in a lot more information, and we make sure we really make sure that these uh, criteria are, are are covered are covered heavily. Right. So if you went all in with the O1A, go even further all in with the um, green card sponsorship. Submit. 10 categories if you can. Uh, Mm -hmm. Go for 11 categories if you can find an 11th category. Yeah, Uh, make up some and say there there is actually, there is one last category, which is sort of a catch-all, which does say in the regulations, if there's anything else you feel is relevant, go ahead and throw it in. So throw it in. 
we do, uh, we, and we have, you know, that we, you know, anything that can show that somebody is extraordinary that is not contemplated in the regs could still be relevant. So yeah. Right. yeah. All, you of do my, all of my extraordinary ability green card cases that I've worked on, the, these people have been truly extraordinary, but John Gerard, he's really, really extraordinary. So there's two really. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, and so, I, I would not, I would not, I would not think this would be a difficult case. To no, I, I think we would take this case, we would run with it, and we would get Mr. Jean Girard a green card, I and then Gregory, Gregory would also get a green card as a derivative. Yes, he would. Yes, he would as a spouse. So, right. So if they want to stay in the United States, the Girard family would be very happy because we can and we can do it for them. Yep, and and once those green cards were issued, and Gregory had his green card, he'd finally be able to work. Well, we've solved the issue, the immigration issues. And um, good job, Rod. As always, good detective work. Thank you. Fantastic work yourself, Shai. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about our overall takeaways from the movie. Uh, number one, Rod, I have to ask you, is NASCAR actually a sport? So, I, you know, I think this is a very contentious kind of question. I'm glad you asked it of me, Shai. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our <laughs> listeners might be big NASCAR enthusiasts, so we want to respect them as well. They may be. And I've had family members who have been employed by NASCAR in the past. Uh, I didn't. I didn't tell you that previously. Look at you! Look at you! But yeah, I wanted to save that for the recording oh so that I could God. surprise you. Um, you know, NASCAR falls under what is considered to be motorsports, mm. and um, I am not a NASCAR racer. I've never been in a NASCAR. I've never been to a NASCAR race, nor have I been in a NASCAR rally. I am a motorcycle rider. Yes, on, yes. On the side, uh, not professionally, nor do I race, but. Um, you know, to to ride a motorcycle, it involves a, a certain amount of core strength because of the way that you sit, have to sit on the bike. I understand that that drivers generally have to keep themselves in some sort of physical shape. You can't so, be too heavy. You can't be too heavy or, or too out of shape. Heavy. There is a lot of activity in and around the car. I know that, um, you know, we learned in the, the documentary that you referenced that Formula One drivers yes. spend a lot of time keeping themselves in shape. So is it, you know, you can argue, is it is it a physically demanding sport as physically demanding as, say, soccer or tennis or football? I can't say. I let it fall within, if they want to call themselves a sport, I think people generally accept it as a sport. I don't question that. You know, but, Rod, I was going to make the argument that it's not a sport, but what you just okay. said, what you just said convinced me that it is a sport. I have completely um, okay. changed my mind. You, this is good. I, I need, I need someone like you in my life to tell me I'm, that I'm, that I'm wrong from time to time. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, I'm happy to be here for you, Shai. Ladies and gentlemen, NASCAR is a sport. You heard it here. This is yeah. This is more like therapy than a, this, than a podcast episode. At this so this so is, therapeutic. So therapeutic. We're, we're working through some stuff here. I like it. <laughs> Another takeaway from the movie are uh, Ricky Bobby's children, uh, correctly named or appropriately named Walker and Texas Ranger. Now these these kids are, are really poorly behaved, and I think that they were a prediction of what Generation Z would have looked like before we even knew what Generation Z was. I mean, the scene where they're having dinner and they are making fun of their grandfather and just cursing, and they are terrible kids. So Generation mm -hmm. Z, that's your template. Well, so they are fairly repugnant children. Again, if I can take the the, the position somewhat as a therapist for you, Shai. Thank you. You know, what happens is these children do find themselves in the care of their grandmother mm. who educates them and teaches them. And I think the, the lesson there is that nobody is irredeemable. They become well-behaved, well-spoken, uh, very decent little young children. This movie should have been called The Miracle Worker. Yeah, it could. 
<laughs> the grandmother, Ricky Bobby's mother, did a miracle by teaching those children manners. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe uh, Generation Z is not so bad after all. Maybe perhaps Generation Zers out there, you might have a chance. They may, as long as um, they their grandmothers. Yeah. What would a currency for dogs and cats actually look like? So, would this be a currency that the owners have that they can specifically use just for dogs and cats, or would this actually be a currency that a dog and a cat would be able to use by him or herself? So my understanding from the film is that I think his intention or their intention, the yeah. two, uh, he and Gregory both, I think it's it's for the cats and dogs to use specifically. And I think it wow. would be something that you would have to be able to carry easily in the mouth, I think. Or maybe like durable. You know how a St. Bernard has that um, that uh, the brandy around the neck. brandy around yeah. the neck. Maybe they'd put the currency sure. around the neck. Could that'd be. be that'd could be cute. Be too. Yeah. That'd be cute. Yeah. Okay. That'd okay. Be, yeah. I could roll with that. Okay. And um, you know, at the end of the movie, Ricky and his family they get in the car with Ricky's drunk father to go to Applebee's. So yep. I, I'm thinking that this is just a metaphor for 2020. I feel like in the beginning of 2020, we all got into a, a car with a drunk driver, and we just suffered the consequences. And and that's just the metaphor for 2020. Uh, yeah, I mean, 2020 was a very rough year. We're, you know, as you, as we as we said at the top of the show, we're very excited for 2021. But yeah, it it you know when you mentioned that, I it, it I I got thinking about it a little bit, and you know, it could be. It's just sort of a it was pretty deep. it was a pretty deep, pretty <laughs> deep. It was in that that scene where they crash in the big race at the end, and the yes. the crash is so long that they have to cut to commercial to an Applebee's commercial and come back. <laughs> That to me was a little bit, 2020 was just a long, harrowing experience, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to the end of it. It's over. 2020 is over. 2021 yep. is here. 2021 started with us teaching the listeners out there about the O1A Extraordinary Ability Visa and the P1A Athlete Visa. Maybe you even learned something about NASCAR and Formula One. I certainly did. I learned that NASCAR is a sport. So thank you for that, Rod. And thank you, Shai, for doing the extensive research. Well, you know, I, I'm an attorney and uh, research is my game. Yeah. No, yeah. That, and you, you did a fantastic job and you brought Leo Parente into all of our lives. <laughs> oh, Leo. We, we're going to have to get in touch with Leo soon. Um, just as a, re a reminder, if you have not done so already, please, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Give us those five stars or, or the highest amount of stars possible on your particular platform. You can find us on all the major streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all of them. We we're out there, baby. We're out there, baby. We would also love to hear from you. We have an email address. Rod, tell everybody what our email address is. That is hasta la visa, H-A-S-T-A-L-A-V-I-S-A at Gibney, G-I-B-N-E-Y dot com. Hasta la visa at Gibney dot com. We really want to hear from you. Anything, anything. Just fill out the subject line of the email. We don't care. Just send us an email, yeah. please. The, ac the accolade of your choice. Whatever you like. Over the next year, we're going to be covering many movies uh, such as The Karate Kid, Coming to America, Austin Powers, Ocean's Eleven, Scarface. We're going to be covering television shows such as Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, Silicon Valley, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Simpsons. That's just to whet your appetite. Uh, just a little, but, a little taste of what's to come. But next month, we've got a big, big episode. We're going to go deep into the greatest action movie and the greatest Christmas movie ever made, Die Hard. And uh, Die Hard features a villain known as Hans Gruber, an extraordinarily dressed German terrorist who wreaks havoc on a skyscraper in Los Angeles on Christmas Eve. And spoiler alert from everybody out there, 
There is no terrorist visa. No, no terrorist visa. They don't the, grant it. <laughs> no, they do not grant it. Reject. Mm. So Hans Gruber would have had to have a visa in order to perform the terrorist activities that he did in that movie. And uh, we'll tell you what visa Hans had, but you got to join us to find out. So everybody, there comes a time in the uh, podcast where I have to say, until next time. Hasta la visa, baby. Yes, you got it right, everybody. We will see you, you next did. time. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you.